The following podcast is an excerpt of the book Our Fractured Image, available on Amazon as a paperback, ebook, or audiobook. In Psalm 39.6 from the Passion Translation we read, We live our lives like those living in shadows. All our activities and energies are spent for things that pass away. We gather, we hoard, we cling to things only to leave them all behind for who knows who. Do you feel like you are living in a shadow and lack substance? Do you think no one cares about you? So what is this burden of isolation? How do we recognize it? How do we accept it? And how do we live so we are not consumed by it? The first step in learning how to deal with this existential burden of isolation is to acknowledge it exists and that it is a problem. Isolation is a deep, painful craving for connection. God created us with a longing for belonging, a longing that is never fully met. We experience isolation at different levels. We can experience it as interpersonal isolation, where we feel physically isolated from others and disconnected from the world. We can also experience it as intrapersonal isolation, where even in the presence of loving, positive relationships, there are areas where secrets exist and we feel there is distance in the relationship and no meaningful connection. There is also existential isolation, where it is not possible to ever experience the subjectivity of another human being. It feels like there is no way I will ever be meaningfully connected. In other words, nobody knows me, and I don't substantially know anyone else. We live with a fear that if identified for who we are, others will reject us. We are afraid of being authentic. We live in an age of accessible communication, but a growing sense of isolation and disconnectedness. We seem to crave and demand connection more than ever. We search for, and at times, require relationships that will lessen the pain of loneliness. We also demand that these relationships validate our qualities so we might feel complete, achieve some sense of immortality, and confirm our life choices. We also request that these relationships confirm that our directions are worthwhile and that we are somehow spiritually intact and connected. Our current cultural connections have very little to do with who we are and more to do with how we present ourselves. We superficially join around shared beliefs, political affiliations, sports teams, gangs, and genres of music. We take less time to pause as a community to consider life and how we should live our lives. We attend church less frequently. We have fewer funerals. We have fewer small group discussions about how to live and more superficial discussions around the latest computer games, cars, or sports teams. We have more superficial connections but less meaningful relationships. And we are more willing to compromise or abandon our beliefs to feel like we belong. 
The community my grandparents grew up in needed each other. They would not have survived without the support of their family and neighbors. They worshiped together, they prayed together, and they spent time together. They did not go to sporting events or political rallies. They cried together at funerals and rejoiced together with the birth of a new family member. They were able to identify with a community, a community they needed and a community that needed them. Unfortunately, we no longer need each other the way they needed each other. Our desire for connection has not changed in the last 100 years, but our need for each other has vanished. Our affluence has brought us many advantages, but it has cost us the value of a connected community. The erosion of connectedness has also significantly impacted our interpersonal relationships. We may have more interpersonal relationships, but they lack depth and meaning. We may have many people to talk to, but no one in which to confide. Our interpersonal connections are less face-to-face -face and more digital. Our thumbs fly over the little screen to maintain superficial connections. We follow our kids through Facebook and not conversations over dinner. As we race through life, we no longer pause to give meaningful relationships a priority. Our need for connection drives us to bury our authentic self and madly work on a more presentable self, a person who will be more connected. In the process, we push away any chance for real connection, connection with the true authentic self. We become nothing more than digital avatars. The social media image becomes more important than the actual but terrified authentic self. If the isolation becomes too painful to consider, at least we live in a time of limitless distractions. If we would like to avoid the pain of loneliness, we can always buy a new computer game, join a club, or drown our pain in drugs or alcohol. This life is a life of quiet desperation. So, if we want to have more meaningful connections and revive the authentic self, how do we do that? We should not be afraid of isolation. To awaken the authentic self, we need a time of silence and solitude. We develop and mature in isolation. We uncover genius in solitude. If we feel we are continually observed amid the noise and daily demands of life, there is no room to create brilliance. We have become so used to the sound of our busy world, it causes anxiety to be without it. Try turning off all electronic devices and sitting in a quiet room in complete silence for 10 minutes. The silence is very uncomfortable because it is foreign. We have become comfortable with superficial, meaningless connections. For a moment, pause. Pause and consider the following. Do you feel alone and isolated? Do you have others with whom you can confide? Are you working hard to create an image of yourself to be more acceptable to others? Are you authentic? What do you use as distractions 
from the pain of disconnection. We live in an age of growing isolation amid limitless distractions and superficial connections. We end up wasting a lot of our life trying to fight or change what we cannot change. You feel isolated and alone because you are isolated and alone. In other words, nobody knows you well and you do not know anyone else very well. We do have connections, but the relationships are never good enough to eliminate the pain of isolation. You may be more distracted in a group, but you feel just as isolated in a group as you do on a desert island, at times even more isolated. You are not going to change this reality of life. Yes, there are things you can do to feel and be more connected, but in the end, you will still feel isolated. Accept this reality for what it is. You may be the star quarterback in a stadium of 80,000 cheering fans, but who can you confide in? They care about how you perform or what you can do for them, but they do not care about you. There will always be a distance in all relationships that will emphasize our awareness of felt isolation and aloneness. Remember, this is a universal experience. So be aware, those you are closest to also feel isolated. Take time to consider their pain. When considering this burden of isolation, you have several choices. You can fight the sense of isolation and pour all your energies into seeking connections. Chances are, all this will do is push away those from whom you are demanding relationship. This pursuit of relationship will require that you compromise your authentic self to be more acceptable. The process of compromising your authentic self through pretense will only leave you more aware of your isolation and aloneness. You could deny the reality and just live with a sense something is not right. You can then feverishly seek out more ways to distract yourself. Buy a new car, try a new sport, join a new club. The choices are endless and will allow you to remain busy, distracted, and empty for several lifetimes. This path of distraction is the path chosen by most people. On the other hand, you could accept the reality as the reality it is and let go of the burden. Letting go will take some work, but the work will lead to increased resilience and creativity. You may even get to the point where you can appreciate the reality for what it is. If we want to get control of the burden of isolation and the fear of being alone, we will have to learn to appreciate this burden. In acknowledging it, we are allowing ourselves to no longer be controlled by it. We can lessen its hold on us. Denying this burden through distractions or drowning in drugs and alcohol will not help. Avoiding this reality or running from it in fear will not help. We must learn to appreciate it, to let it go. So how do we do this? How can the existential burden of isolation become a blessing and not a curse? First, we must pause to consider how it has been a burden in our lives 
and how that burden has impacted us and affected the crucial decisions we have made in the past. What did you do to lessen the pain of the load? What were the consequences of those decisions and the path they led you to follow? I can recall several abysmal life decisions I have made in the past as I was attempting to lessen the burden of felt isolation. Felt isolation is painful. Solitary confinement is still a form of severe punishment. Prison is separation from those you care about, from those who care about you. Isolation can hurt deeply. Subjectively felt pain is selfish. It demands comfort. Drop a brick on your toe and all you will be thinking about is your sore toe. Felt pain is a loud voice demanding all our focus and attention. The pain caused by felt isolation forces you to think about the isolation and the unfortunate state you are in. It makes you more self-centered and more self-focused. The pain caused by perceived isolation by making you more self-centered increases the felt isolation. If, on the other hand, you accept the fact that all other humans share this burden, then it can be a point of connection and not a cause for separation. Shared pain is uniting. Individual pain is isolating. If you can grow to realize this burden does not have to be feared, then you can appreciate it as something shared by all humans. This appreciation will allow you to experience a lessening of the weight, resilience will increase, and there will be a growing sense of freedom. Now is the time to put this burden to work for our benefit. The acceptance and appreciation of what this burden of isolation is can free you to grow in two significant ways. It can improve meaningful connections with others by recognizing we all share this burden. And it can strengthen authenticity by freeing you to embrace productive silence and solitude. What you share with other humans can draw you together and not separate you. If you approach others looking for or demanding a connection from them, you will only increase your sense of isolation. If, on the other hand, you approach others realizing they feel the pain of loneliness as much as you, and you are present to offer connection, then you are more likely to find a more meaningful relationship. Do not work to find others to connect to as a way of dismissing your felt isolation. Look at how you can offer a meaningful connection. Focus on being more trustworthy. Hold confidences. Be kind, be honest, be humble, and remain thankful. You are more likely to get what you offer than to get what you demand. If you see the pain in others, it will lessen the impact of the pain and isolation you feel. Put aside pretense. A manufactured false image will only foster incorrect, meaningless, pressure-filled connections with others. If you want meaningful, genuine relationships, you need to be authentic. So what does the path to authenticity look like 
in this crazy, fast-paced, noisy world. Only in silence and solitude will you find authenticity. And solitude is where isolation will make you stronger. Without silence and solitude, you'll be a faint reflection of those around you, not thinking or believing for yourself, a finger puppet of the masses. I mean an isolated, lonely finger puppet of the masses. We are superficially connected in so many ways these days. It is hard to picture solitude with silence. Why do we never leave our houses without our cell phones? Or when we do, we feel something vital is missing. Our constant conduit to the world, a short leash tied tightly around our neck. We need silence and solitude more now than ever before. Solitude is taking time in a specific place with a deliberate purpose and a plan. It is time to ponder and ask questions. It is a place we set aside with a purpose of finding what you believe and stand for and a life path that is not forced or pressured. For solitude to be productive, you need time free from observation and distraction. You will need to unplug your electronic connection with the world. There are several different forms of solitude with different purposes and focus. There is mind-numbing solitude, which is often more destructive than beneficial. We can find mind-numbing activities like drugs, alcohol, gambling, computer games, and excessive observation of sporting events or television. Mind-numbing solitude is a break from the everyday world, but the result is less resilience. Mind-numbing isolation is attractive because it provides a readily available separation from the pressures of the world with little personal investment. Over time, this type of solitude loses its effectiveness and can cost you everything. There is recreational solitude, found in going for a walk or run, playing a sport, hiking in the woods, or sitting in a tree stand. If approached with a positive attitude, routine apparent mundane tasks like lawn mowing, floor cleaning, washing clothes, or car washing could be considered this type of recreational solitude. This type of solitude can be a real break from daily stresses as you have an opportunity to think through life issues without distractions from others. Recreational isolation can improve your physical fitness and restore or maintain your resilience to a certain degree. There is creative solitude found in activities like painting, photography, quilting, playing a musical instrument, or other creative activity. This type of solitude is another definite break from daily stressors and can also help restore your resilience. The most valuable form of solitude is restorative solitude, where you sit in silence with pen and paper with a purpose and focus. You'll need a place where you can separate yourself from others and the world. This place needs to be easy to get to and free from interruption. If you find it very difficult to focus your thoughts 
because of distractions from your past, you may have to start with some therapeutic writing. Therapeutic writing is a way of setting aside past issues that weigh you down today. These could be past hurts, abuses, or injustices. To set aside these issues, take 30 minutes a day for four to five days and write about the individual issue. This exercise will not eliminate the impact of past injustice, but hopefully it will help you live more deliberately and not continue to live as a victim. If you live as a victim, you will live a powerless and ultimately meaningless and very isolated life. You do not want to live as a victim. The goal of this time of solitude is to become more authentic. God only made one you, and you are unique. No one else has your qualities or purpose. It would be a shame to neglect that uniqueness as you are working to gather appreciation from others, others who do not care. Now that you have freed yourself from the burdens of past injustice, you can now focus on the present. It is a time of separation from the thoughts actions, words, and opinions of others. It is time to honestly and humbly evaluate and reevaluate. What are your core beliefs? What do you stand for? Who are you? For restorative solitude to be productive, it needs to not turn into a time of fanciful daydreaming. It can be helpful to write your thoughts as a way of keeping your wandering mind in check. You will see in an upcoming chapter that there is a time for daydreaming, but this is not the time. The other sections in this book will give lots of areas of review to consider in this time of solitude. This is a time to find your purpose and meaning, a time to evaluate your choices and the consequences of those choices. A time to reflect on your mortality and the mortality of others. A time to ponder spiritual matters. A time to ask God to search your heart. What do you believe? And how is that evident in the way you live your life? I use this time to prayerfully consider passages in the Bible and how they apply to daily life. Solitude time should be a time for reflection and contemplation and not a time for rumination over previous hurts and injustices. If you find these intrusive thoughts distracting you, then it may be time for more therapeutic writing. It is not a race. Take your time. Remain focused but unpressured and you will find, with God's guidance, that slowly your resilience creativity, and authenticity will grow. The burden of isolation is present because a part of the image of God in man is the capacity for an intimate relationship with God and humanity. If you continue to live with a fractured God image, you will live with the weight of isolation. There is a better way.